Welcome to Sustainable Horizons, where we take a deep dive into various sustainability topics and then talk with industry professionals who are working to solve those exact problems. We're your hosts, Taylor and Logan. Now let's learn how to face the future. Guess what? What? We're back. <laughs> so exciting. You and I are so out of it today and I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird one. Today, that's for sure. All right. Well, we're going to roll with it. So our series for this month is based around jobs and sustainability, getting jobs and sustainability. And Taylor, you and I, believe it or not, have jobs in sustainability. Crazy. We thought that this episode would be a good opportunity to kind of dive into our own histories of, you know, our stories of what got us into, into sustainability. I know we've mentioned that we both went to the same college, same major and that type of stuff. But I thought this would be just kind of fun to, you know, get a little more personal and talk about ourselves because, you know, who doesn't like to talk about themselves? <laughs> Some people yeah. are well, the introverts of the world. Less egocentric people than us. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, no, I think it'll be great to kind of give people a little context about one, who we are and how we got into this journey and into this podcast and into sustainability. I think that'll be good to just kind of dive deep in there because I'm sure everybody's journey looks a little different. I think it's so fun to hear other people's like life stories and and their pitfalls and their luck and success and you know all the things that kind of come with that. So I think, I don't know, I think it'll be fun. Yeah, I'm excited to hear, you know, kind of re-dive back into your stuff because there's definitely, I'm sure, some details that I don't know about yet. Which one of us should go first, you or me? Let's go to you. I think a good point to start is like, when did you become aware of sustainability as not like a concept, but like climate change and like you could start caring about nature and like things like that where you kind of like could see that this is where your path diverged and you were going to eventually end up in a sustainability field. Was there like kind of a moment or is it just kind of a gradual thing for you? For me, it's been ever since I can remember, honestly, and I feel so lucky about that because growing up, you know, this is even back to being like three, four, five years old. I always watched Steve Irwin. I credit him as being my first big inspiration because I mean, what four-year-old boy doesn't love watching a guy wrestle an alligator? Right. But you know, it was more than that too. It was also like, I was a big, I wasn't like a big cartoons kid. I was a big Discovery Channel and Animal Planet kid. And so, you know, it's a lot of protecting the environment, talking about the environment, watching animals in the ocean, you know, all these things. And I credit that a lot to being my first inspiration into the environment as a whole. Also, just like a lot of childhood memories, like I, my mom and I would go for walks in the woods and she had a garden. And so I'd be out in the, on the mud of one of her favorite stories that she likes to talk about was, well, I, I would like to dig up worms and then have worm races down my leg. <laughs> so, what? yeah. So, you know, you'd sit and have your legs slightly tilted and you put one worm on each of your knees and then see who would get down first. So, you know, just spending time in nature is kind of like what Chris yeah. had said in earlier episodes of, you know, just spending time in nature, spending time around the ocean. It's what, it's what makes you love it. But anyways, yeah. So that was kind of my first big introduction into the environment. Sadly, when Steve Irwin did die, apparently my mom and dad had to have like a big conversation of like, how do we tell him? Because I think, I think you and I were only about seven or eight years old. Like we were still yeah, pretty we young. we were not very old, yeah. Yeah, so they're like, like this is the first person he knows that he loves. How do we tell him about death? No. So I can, I can only imagine what that was like for them. As myself, I don't remember the conversation that well. But I do remember just kind of like losing interest in the environment for like a year or two afterwards, which is a little sad. But then starting in middle school, I got this book called Earth the Operator's Manual by Richard B. Alley. He is a professor at Penn State. Did you like research this beforehand? The fact that you just like flat out knew the name of the book, the author, where the author was researching or doing school at, like that was 
Just so right out of your pocket. That's crazy. <laughs> I think about this book. It clearly was an impactful book. Yeah. <laughs> this was very foundational in my life. I mean, cause it, it was such like a foundational moment because I remember it was, I bought it at Barnes and Noble and I, I've never been much of a reader. I pretty much only read nonfiction. I'm one of those people. And I remember having that kind of thought of like, oh, I haven't really thought about the environment in a while. And I saw this book and it sounded cool. And so I was like, I'll buy it. And then I ended up reading it. In three sections, it talks about the history of fossil fuels. It talks about how fossil fuels are currently affecting our planet and what we can do about it. And that what we can do about it was, you know, talking about alternative energy, nuclear fusion, you know, all, all, all those types of cool technologies. So after that, I was convinced I wanted to go into alternative energy space. And I was just really like newly impassioned about the environment. And yeah, ever since then, I all throughout middle school and then into high school, I thought that, you know, I wanted to be an engineer. I wanted to study sustainability of the environment. I didn't know exactly what that looked like, you know, when I was that age. But yeah, like I've been, like I said, for as long as I can remember, I've been really passionate about it. Uh, that's really cool. And I feel like kind of no matter where you come into sustainability in your journey, the the core of it has to be the passion because there's just so much that goes on in the industry and so many things that you kind of have to care about. It's just, yeah, important to kind of have that one core thing throughout the entirety of your journey throughout sustainability. Because without it, you're just going to fall off the little, you know, wagon and you're just, you know, you're going to lose, lose the passion and you'll lose the care about it. Also, I, I do want to hear about yours, but another really cute, fun story that I, I just like is a friend that I had. We were like best friends. We we're basically inseparable from like third through ninth, 10th grade. He and I, he wanted to become a vet. And, you know, I was sustainability, environment, all that stuff. We, you know, we just kind of, you know, drifted apart, whatever. We ended up talking again, like a couple years ago. And he's like, oh, like, what are you doing nowadays? Like, whatever. I was like, I'm working in the environment. And I was like, oh, like, what are you up to? He's like, I'm about to go to vet school. I was like, that's sick. Like, these goals we set back when we were, you know, what is that, nine years old? Right. We're actually doing that. So I, I love that that happened. That is a fun check-in. But yeah. Yeah, no kidding. So what what was your initial inspiration or kind of story that brought you into sustainability? Very, you know, kind of a similar start. And like, I have basically always just super intensely loved nature. The sustainability aspect for me came a while later, but like my parents were also outdoorsy people and still are. They love to travel and camp and do all those things. And when we were younger, we would do a lot of camps for around this time too, a fall. And we would do, you know, go up to the North Shore and we would camp out for there and we'd go to Gooseberry Falls and like see all the fall colors and things like that. And I just loved every aspect of being outside. And I still do. Like it still just brings me such a sense of peace and calm to just like be in nature and not in such man-made environments. And yeah, that's just kind of stuck with me throughout. And I think I've, a lot of those childhood memories and moments were very pivotal into kind of making me who I am. So yeah, I definitely appreciate my parents for that because they've kind of set me on this path early on. But when it kind of came to the school age era and starting to learn about the environment and climate change, I think we even kind of talked about that and touched on those subjects back then. It was kind of almost devastating. And the way that Steve Irwin dying for you was devastating. I think learning that people and humanity as a whole was uh, a reason why nature was having issues was huge. So like deforestation, I think was one of those ones that really stuck out to me. Cause I mean, we've been pre preaching about that Amazon rainforest for decades now, you know, no and, but yeah, and I'm still preaching, although it's doing better this year. Well, that's good. <laughs> Not great, but better. Yeah, no, I think it was hard for me to understand that, you know, the places that I was hiking and exploring and connecting with nature could just be clear cut for some farmland. And I obviously didn't synthesize that 
in that moment when I was that young, but it, the feeling was there, right. Of like loss at like how that could happen. Cause I loved it so much and so dearly that I just didn't, it's like clear cutting your family. You know what I mean? Like I was just like, yeah, no, I, get that. <laughs> I, I didn't understand how the, the people could be so disconnected from it. Growing up now, I kind of understand how that can happen. And I think a lot of my advocacies and, and preachings maybe to people is just trying to build that connection back. Cause once you have it, it's hard to, to continue as life is normal when you, you know, those things and, can, can relate it to your own life. But, but yeah, that was, that was kind of really it. I, I had deep love for nature from a very, very young age and kind of learned about it in school. And then it was just like kind of a clear path of not a clear path because it was like engineering, architecture, something in the realm of connecting people back to nature and sustainability and helping people kind of on that path. And the older I got, the more messy it kind of got. But yeah. So I guess my question for you is going into college, then you kind of knew you had the sustainability path. What drove you to like the University of Minnesota where we went to school? How did you come into the sustainable systems management degree that we both got? Like what was that path for you coming out of high school? Because for me, it was a little messy. So I'm curious to know what, what that was for you? Mine was also definitely messy. So I had applied to like, I think it was only four colleges, three out of state and the University of Minnesota, Twin Cities. Got rejected from two of them. I got accepted to Oregon State, but we were looking at, I and like I had full financial aid and even after full financial aid, it was going to be like 40 grand a year to go to Oregon State and into their engineering program. And my mom sat me down and was like, hey, you, you got, she's like, I know you're 18 and debt doesn't really mean anything to you yet, but that amount of money is inescapable. So like, I hate to say this, but you can't go there. And to this day, I am very grateful for that conversation because even the debt I do have doesn't feel too great. Right. Still inescapable. Yep. You came modern <laughs> America. Anyways, yes. but yeah, so I went to the U of M. I did not get accepted into their engineering program, but I got accepted into their College of Liberal Arts or CLA, as we call it, as just undeclared. And I really wanted to go into their, their electrical engineering program. And I sat down with my first designated academic advisor and I was telling him all my plans because like I said, I wanted to do alternative energy. So actual engineering, that made sense. I was telling him about my passion for sustainability, but I also felt like I was a little more of a people person than a, you know, just like a pure math science STEM person. And he's like, did you know about this other major over in the College of Food, Agriculture, and Natural Sciences or CFANS called Sustainable Systems Management? And I was like, no, nope, hadn't heard of that. And he's like, well, it's kind of exactly what you just described where it does still incorporate a pretty heavy math and science engineering background, but it carries in a lot of that business and those interpersonal skills and like general sustainability stuff that you are mentioning. And I think you should check it out. So I set up with, I set up a meeting with the SSM, Sustainable Systems Management Advisor, met with her. And I was like, this is literally perfect. This is exactly what I wanted. And then, yeah, I registered and it ended up being perfect. I, I don't know how you felt about it, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's what brought me into it. What about you? I, at 18, had no idea what I wanted to do. I was like, I want to go in to be an engineer. Like I am very math and science centered brain, very analytical, get really great into systems, very organized, also a great people person. Right. So I was just like, didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew I wanted to use my brain and like have a little bit of a challenge. And so I think I wanted to go into engineering. I toured Madison, Wisconsin, Madison, and toured the University of Minnesota. And then I had a really great track scholarship 
to the University of North Dakota, like UND. So they were trying to recruit me and could have gone there for cheap, even though it was out of state. I think they get reciprocity though with Minnesota. But I was just like, I don't think running track up in North Dakota is going to give me enough life to be living in North Dakota. Like there just wasn't a lot. Like I was a city person. I needed the like life of things. And so I wasn't even really like when I chose my school, I was not thinking major at all. I ended up, I wanted to go out of state really bad, had the same conversation of like $40,000 a year is just not sustainable. Huh? Pun. Uh, uh, uh. But. Because you're also from Minnesota, right? Yes. Also yeah. from Minnesota. Born and raised and stayed. So yeah, it was just kind of like the logical thing because my mom was an accountant. And so I kind of knew like the debt conversation and stuff like that. And I was just like not interested in being $160,000 in debt coming out of undergrad. So I kind of went into the University of Minnesota. I went in, I changed like last minute. I think I got into, I don't even know. I think I got into the engineering area because that's what I thought I wanted to go into. So that's where I applied. And I got in there and then I was like last second, I was like, that's not art enough. I need to be creative too. So I was like, you know what? Architecture. I can do sustainable architecture where I'm working with people and the environment and landscape and also use my engineering tasks and brain and mathematics and be creative by building really cool spaces that people are going to live and work and exist in. So that I called them and I was like, Hey, I need to change into the architecture. And they're like, that's fine. We can do that for you. So I went in there, did a semester of architecture school, did a lot of popsicle late night gluing and realized I was not cut out for architecture. I didn't have the passion. Like we talked about earlier, I had the passion for sustainability, but that goal was eight years out. I needed to also do, because in the architecture track, to be an architect, you need to do two years to get your master's, two or three, depending on where you end up for your master's. And so I was like, okay, so this means a full four years of undergrad and then two or three more years of grad school to get my master's, to then have to pay a bunch of money to take some tests. I was like, the math wasn't adding up. You know, yeah. they tell you you need to do like, like your in- medium income, median income out of college needed to be like the same as your college degree or less in debt wise. And it was definitely not working out that way. And I was like, okay, so this is also that architecture major is tough because oh, my college roommate was an architecture major. And yeah, that, that dude did not sleep. No, you don't. And that was my first semester at college. And they're like, oh, college is hard, blah, 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 you stay up. I was like, no, all my other roommates and people on my floor in the dorm, they were getting sleep. I wasn't. I was pulling 24 hours regularly to get these projects done because they had such tight timelines. And then, you know what I was doing? I was showing up with my popsicle sticks all glued together and, and cardboard and my little mini people that they gave me. And I was getting C's and I was like, I don't have the passion to like tough it out because you have to be tough and you have to have a passion because it is a brutal, ruthless thing because they're basically training us to be more creative because high school sucks all of that out of you. And they're like, you need to be more creative. So they were really harsh and they gave you like no guidance. So you're like, I didn't have any help getting there. They're like, that's the point. And you're sucked. So here's the criticism you got for that, blah, blah, blah. And so I was like, this isn't it. And I was uh, at that point in time uh, coming to the end, I was like, well, I knew I wanted to do like a sustainability minor just so that I could like start my master's program with the like sustainability aspect already included kind of into my undergrad. And so I was looking at that and I was like, I'm at the end, I was like, I don't think I can do the architecture thing. And looking more into the sustainability. I was like, well, let's just like see what full sustainability looks like at the U. Cause I was like, they have a minor. Usually they have a minor for most majors. And I looked and I stumbled across the sustainable systems management um, and the BBE, the bio. Bioproducts and biosystems engineering. Yes. So those two. And I was reading and all winter break long, I was like, tell my parents and like talk with them. I was like, 
guys, I think this is what I need to do. Like, this sounds better. Like, this sounds like everything I've been wanting to do all in one degree. I was like, I'm still getting my engineering thing. I'm still doing a lot of the math and science and things that go into that. But it's like solely focused on sustainability. I was like, this is great, you know? It took them a little bit more convincing because they were like, you chose a path, you know? Like, are you going to graduate late and all that stuff? I was lucky and I did college and high school. So like the PSEO programs and stuff like that. So I came in with a lot of credit. So I was like, I think I'm going to be fine. If anything, these are going to count for my like, you know, general credits, the architecture ones. So I decided basically to make that switch And then because I came in not my freshman year or like, I don't know if I did a full year of architecture school or not. I don't know. I either changed my first semester in school or my first year. It was after one of those two. And it messed up the whole, like, I didn't get to do orientation when orientation was supposed to happen your like first semester. I ended up doing it like my third year or something like that. But yeah, I ended up switching And I got like an advisor over there. I absolutely adored her. Did you have Mai? I think so. I love Mai. No. Was she like, she was like a tall lady. Oh, no. She's super tall. Mai Mai was a tiny little. Yeah. No, I don't remember what her name is. And I'm so upset about it. She was amazing. She was just like so excited to see you every time. Right. And as a college student who is just like dying inside all the time (laughs) from stress and of everything it was just great to like have somebody that was just like in my court rooting for me and like trying to help me a ton so like I talked with her right away when I got in and we like got things figured out and she was like a huge success in like helping me make sure I had everything figured out and stuff so that was kind of how I came into the degree and then I did a bunch of bouncing around there too because I was like cool I'm in the degree you know I'm gonna do the engineering path And so I was down that path for a while and I was doing, you know, Calc 1, Calc 2, Physics 1, Physics 2, Chem 1, Chem 2. And Chem 2, I couldn't do it. I was so bad at chemistry. That was my worst grade in college was that one. I think I had like a C minus. Yes. I was like barely passing and I was failing all the tests, but like I was doing all the homework and everything extra and doing good in labs so that I could pass chemistry. Oh, it was so hard. And then it was like, and I made it through and I was like, okay, there's no more chemistry. I didn't have to do like organic chemistry or anything like that. Then they're like, you need thermodynamics. And I was like, that's just chemistry, a part that I didn't understand all over again in a whole class. And then, so at that point, I reevaluated my energy tract because I think that was it. I think we had the energy tract, right? Yep. I was like, like energy. There's energy systems, sustainable products and business management, corporate sustainability, so four. You're missing one. Oh, and building science and technology. There it is. And yeah, it's interesting enough, I didn't go into the building sciences. I would guess with what you said before that that's what you would have done. Right. I, th- I got somewhere down the line. I think this was like kind of in the beginning of like the emerging solar boom that we kind of had. And so I think I was hearing a lot about that. And I was like, you know, this is really cool and super interesting. So for whatever reason, I went that track. Didn't stay in it. Got to the thermodynamics coming up that next year. And I was like, mm. <laughs> oh, I also, so this was like after my study abroad, I went to Norway and I studied abroad and there I did a ton of sustainability classes because Norway is very sustainable and all those Nordic countries up there. So I was like lucky enough that I just didn't have to, take any like major specific classes when I was in Norway so I could just do whatever I wanted and I did like I took sustainable tourism I did biological and ecological diversity I did just a bunch of classes focused on nature and trying to learn it from a different country's perspective essentially and after that I was just like I'm not doing the energy thing anymore like back off of that and I guess to preface this whole next part is like My parents are both entrepreneurs. My dad owns his own construction company. My mom is an accountant. She owns her own firm. So I've had like a very privileged childhood where my parents were always around when they needed to be because they had complimentary schedules. So they kind of, and they made their own schedule too. They're like, you guys got basketball tonight? 
we have basketball tonight, you know, like I don't have to, to work late to make that happen or to miss that kind of deal. And so I knew that I kind of wanted to get into the business side of things very young, like in high school. And so after realizing I didn't want to do the energy track, I went into what's the next thing. And I finally landed on the product and business development path in the degree. And it was great. And, and that's what I ended up graduating with. And I thoroughly enjoyed the business classes and like I took sustainable marketing and things like that, that were very much so relevant to what I am doing now. And yeah, so it very much so a journey that I had through college. Lots of, I don't know what I'm doing. It's so hard at 18. How mm-hmm. do you know? You know, the, the world is your oyster. And then they're like, pick one. And I'm like, what one? There's a thousand sitting here. And yeah, so that's my long-winded path to graduating with a degree in sustainable systems management with an emphasis in business and marketing. Yeah, I had somewhat of a, you know, once I got into SSM, I entered into the energy systems track because like I said, I thought I wanted to do energy. And then one of my early classes made us attend some sort of conference that was sustainability related. And so I was like, oh, I'll go to this. I forgot what it stands for, but it was like a sustainable energy conference. And everyone I met was perfectly lovely. They were kind, you know, they were willing to answer students' questions and stuff. But it was just so not my vibe. Like I was just so bored (laughs) by everyone around me. (laughs) And I was like, these are not my people. This is like what energy actually looks like as a job is not for me. So I think I changed tracks like the next week. (laughs) I ended up switching into the sustainable products and business management track. Looking back on it, I should have done corporate sustainability, but honestly, there was only like a one or two class difference. And then another thing that was really impactful for me was You know, I always had this like vague image of what a job and sustainability looked like, but I never really knew what it was, especially when I was so convinced for so long that what I wanted to do was energy related that I realized I didn't. I was like, okay, what, what does this look like? What, what do I do? And then I took that same orientation class my senior year and the way that class is set up, uh, side note, I'm teaching it now. So that's fun is that you, they bring in a lot of guest speakers who work in the field of sustainability in all different fields. So it was it was a really cool opportunity to see what all the options are. And we had Shane Stennis, who was then the director of sustainability at the U of M, who is now the chief sustainability officer, came and spoke and he talked about all these projects that he gets to implement and matching that up with the goals of the environment, sustainable development goals and the university and all these things. And just hearing him talk about how he has to incorporate all these sort of like corporate goals as well as governmental goals as well as and then like dive deep into like the engineering project management type of work. I was like, my brain just lit up. I was like, that's what I want to do. So ever since then, I've been basically just trying to <laughs> get there. But also a couple of notes that I wanted to make about the sustainability major was earlier you talked about that connection to the environment. And one thing that I f- found really interesting was I think that that was a common thing amongst people is they were connected to the environment in some way. But what I found fascinating was that what I would picture as a quote unquote sustainability major is like you're kind of liberal white hippie, basically. But there was also a lot of like more conservative rural people in there. And that's kind of what I've, what I've experienced as I've progressed throughout my environmental career is there's really these two groups of people who are your like liberal downtown folk as well as like your rural country people. And we like traditionally, like just by looking at us, you wouldn't expect us to get along or, you know, be a part of the same group whatsoever. But we both had these same common interests that really came together. And I think that's kind of what's beautiful about it. And then also in our major specifically, because it was such a melding of 
STEM as well as business was it seemed like every single person we met came from the school of engineering or the school of business. And we both went, eh, that's way too much. I don't want to do math for the rest of my life or I don't want to just sit and do finance for the rest of my life. And I care about the environment. And we both just came from these opposite corners of the world to be like, oh, let's meld the two and see what we can do now. And like another cool thing was even though SSM wasn't an engineering degree, like I and I know a lot of people that we graduated with now do have an engineering title, which is also pretty sweet. Yeah, I mean, we took so many engineering classes and things like that and the basics for everything. Well, and it's like not engineering in a specific sense of like structural or anything like that, but there is a lot of math and numbers and calculations and systems understanding that goes into LCAs and life cycle assessments and, you know, all the other different kind of sustainability tracking and goals it's a lot of work to kind of figure out and make sure that those are on track and how, if they aren't, how do we get them on track and what processes, systems, or solutions do we have to implement to make sure that we get to these goals that we're setting that are starting to get a lot more ambitious and a lot shorter. And that takes kind of an engineering brain to do that. So yeah, that to- that totally makes sense. Yeah, and it is so inter- interdisciplinary. And, well, and that's why it's important I think it, it was a, it's a skill set of ours that we're not just engineers because there is that stereotype of engineers that they tend to not have the best social skills. But when it comes to like doing sustainability, is you have to you have to know engineering, you have to know how to install these systems, and like if you're walking into a manufacturing facility, you have to be able to understand their processes and how the different machines operate and really figure that out quickly. But you can't just show up and be like, "All right, fix this." do it. Why? Because it makes more sense. That's not going to change people's minds. You also need that more social side of being able to talk the finance, talk return on investment, talk, you know, just people's own apprehensions to the word sustainability. If, you know, they, they just, you know, they're like, that's a crock of shit. Like be able to like work with them as a human. I don't know about you, but that interdisciplinary major sometimes felt like a little bit of a disadvantage trying in trying to get jobs totally. in sustainability. So I was wondering what your experience was like with that. I don't even know where to start with this. I feel like you should go first on this okay. one. Okay. Just because my path is, is a little bit divergent from the degree post-college right away. And so that question is better suited for your kind of path and then we can talk about what how I went about getting into my stuff okay yeah and like I did like I want to make it clear that even though I said it was a disadvantage after you know we just talked about all of its advantages for the last 20 minutes it's like that's kind of the hard part but I mean anyways I got kind of lucky in graduating which by the way I graduated May of 2020 which not ideal but I was actually fortunate enough to have already had an internship, which had started that January. And then that was in environmental compliance consulting, which is basically just helping businesses, manufacturers, whomever follow EPA and other local state laws. And so that company actually continued to do well and actually do a little bit better heading into the pandemic, which was fortunate for us. But yeah, so I was able to keep that internship and then actually convert that internship into a full-time job. And I did really enjoy that experience to an extent. That job was, I remember my first interview for the internship, the manager of that department said, he's like, this is not the job you take to save the environment. And I was like, you know, I was... I think it was 20 at that time. And I was like, yeah. that's fine. Yeah. I was like, I just want a job. Right. I don't come from money or any connections. So I will take anything. <laughs> yeah, no, he wasn't kidding. And it's the best way I, I describe that job is it's kind of like being a criminal defense attorney as in the sense that you you want to help help the good guy, but oftentimes you end up helping the bad guy and that doesn't feel great. 
Right. And but I mean, I was able to incorporate some of the helping the environmental stuff. And, you know, you are helping them follow the environmental laws, which do exist for a reason. So that was good. But it was my major difficulties, again, no pun intended, was coming was once I quit that job, I quit to start my own business. And I always put that in heavy quotations because I never really did that much in the sense of making money. But so I started that. It was mostly just doing media stuff, TikTok, follow me at Sustainable Steps. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of how we met, actually. Not like not like met, but like re-met. Also, the, this podcast eventually kind of came out of that. Yeah. And I got, you know, a couple smaller projects, but it was usually with friends and family or just like, hey, like, you kind of know about this stuff. You do it. I also had a gross misunderstanding of the current state of sustainability was I was told that, oh, sustainability is new. We need people who have studied this and know about this and there's such a high demand. And so I went into starting my own business of, oh, this is so in high demand. Everyone will be giving me jobs because I actually studied this. Yeah, that wasn't the case. And as I was applying for jobs, I realized the reason that wasn't the case amongst many was that... In my experience applying for jobs, which, by the way, over about a six-month span, I applied to approximately 350 jobs, which is just god-awful. A lot of those job postings, were the way they were written was they were targeting towards a engineer with... five. By the way, these are entry-level positions. Entry-level position, five years of experience in engineering and a quote-unquote interest in sustainability or... Entry level, five years of experience in finance with an interest in sustainability. And so it's just like, ah, I like, why not hire people who studied sustainability? I know that the reason that's not really a thing is because sustainability majors don't really exist yet. They are growing, but it's not a common thing. So businesses and the hiring process don't really know how to handle them. And even though I had this highly specialized major for these highly specialized positions, when you do the application, you have to implement what you your area of study and they give you that drop down menu. They sustainability was, I think, only an option on like 10 of the 350. And so you just had to put environmental science major and then you're lumped in with all the other environmental science majors, which not a bad thing. But when you're highly specialized in something that should be an advantage, but it's no longer advantage because their automated system is now kicking you out kind of stinks. And I mean, this has also just been a larger labor market trend of people wanting five years of experience in entry-level positions. But anyways, this has turned into a long rant about applying for jobs. But yeah, I mean, it was tough because the thing is, is that when you have an interdisciplinary major, is it's great. But the problem is that you're, you know a good amount of two things. in in this case, you know, engineering and business, but not enough to have a full degree in that one thing. And then you're not viewed as a quote-unquote expert in either of those things. So you're a, a master of none, if you will. Right. Which I highly, I have a lot of problems with that. Yeah, so I mean, eventually I did get a job now with a pollution prevention nonprofit as an engineer, like I said. But, you know, now I'm having to steer more into the engineering side, which I did have that background in. But it was challenging trying to communicate what are my skill sets. The cool part about the major two was that we did a lot of we did a lot of very specific projects in the sense that our yes, our capstone project. How cool was that? Mm-hmm. We the way that was set up was that they brought in businesses from around the Twin Cities and that wanted to have a project, a sustainability project done, looked into. And we just got to look, we just got free access. So my project was with Aveda. And what we got to do was they would get quote unquote expired products back from the salons. And they, at the time, they were like, we just have to send this to the incinerator because we don't know what else to do with them. And they wanted to figure out a better way because Aveda is a company that does care a lot about sustainability. And so we looked into all these different options of, you know, a couple of, I can't remember the project fully, but 
you know, we were looking into like downcycling of like dumpster deodorizers, which is a thing. And another option was because these products were more like quote unquote expired, kind of like the best diffused by type of type of deal. You know, donating to homeless shelters or families in need. Another, we were also looking into anaerobic digesters with all the organic material that's in them. So, you know, it was just like a really cool opportunity to do like a very real life example. We also had that life cycle assessment class where we did a whole life cycle assessment. I mean, it wasn't the like an ISO certified level life cycle assessment, but it was very useful in the sense that like that's been a, you know, a paper that I've shown when like job potential employees like send me a writing sample, like I'll submit that LCA because it was good work. So that was a really cool opportunity. But yeah, I mean, that's the struggle with these jobs is you have, it's, it's an advantage and disadvantage at the same time. And it's all about figuring out how to market yourself to those companies and then hoping that those people get it and think it's interesting and will actually, you know, I don't, I don't want to say take a risk on you because, mm-hmm. you know, I think it was awesome. And I think it was a great skill set, but, you know. In their heads, it may be. They will give you the opportunity to like really take off. Right. Yeah, no, I think, I think that's very true. And I think kind of the lesson and through my serial hear that too, but the degrees just aren't strong enough to support what the market wants right now. So if you are in the sustainability degree, by all means stay in it, but specialize. Take a major in, you know, electrical or minor in electrical engineering or see if you can double major. Double major, huge, right? If you can do it, if the class is overlined and that works, that's amazing. But definitely build a skill set alongside of the sustainability because being the jack of all trades in this market is not what the sustainability industry is used to because what they're used to is hiring people who have already worked in other industries and have the five years of experience in finance who are like, I care about sustainability. I want to get into this. And they go, great. You have the passion for it. You have the experience of the finance already. You can merge those, you know? So yeah, I think that's kind of, I guess our biggest advice, I think on that front and like issues that we've run into with the degree and they don't tell you much about that or they need to tell you how to better market yourself. I still don't know how to explain sustainable systems management as a degree. Like I don't, it's like I worked, yeah, I have a sustainability degree. I, that's like the easiest way. And they're like, Oh, what'd you learn? Everything. Chemistry, mm-hmm. physics, Yeah. you know, like <laughs> chemistry, physics, business, marketing, systems, LCAs. We did a law class too. And, you know, trying to create environmental law. Like I mean, we did, we touched everything, like uh-huh. everything, everywhere. And to your point of like hiring the five-year finance person is they're hiring that five-year finance person into a manager role. And then you and I get that intern or like super entry level, like truly entry level position. And I get so frustrated sometimes because I'm like, they do have, you know, more, you know, general industry experience, which does... It does matter a lot. But I'm like, I know more about sustainability than these people. And it's so frustrating because I'm like, I know this stuff. Like, yeah, we're still young. So, you know, Mm -hmm. it's all those arguments of like, got to, you know, work your way up and all that stuff. But it's frustrating because it's like, it is a new field. You and I have had, and other sustainability majors have had this opportunity to like really know this niche market, but it's, it's so difficult getting it launched. And like, I always say the same thing of, you know, just do projects while you're in school. Like, you know, whether that is a TikTok or a podcast or I mean, Taylor, and you know, you'll, you'll talk about this more in a minute here of like, just, you know, getting, you know, doing freelance work and start specializing in things. Or one thing that I did too was start getting certifications. So like I got a GRI, a global reporting initiative. So that's one of the major frameworks for reporting on sustainability. I'm just about to wrap up a lead certification. So like building science, getting those types of things to start, you know, showing interest in one specific area. That's also a pretty good method. But I mean, I guess, you know, to use that as a segue, what was your experience right out of college? I definitely took a different path. So to touch back, like my parents are entrepreneurs and business owners. And 
had the decision to, after college, move out of state with some friends or move back in with my parents. And at the time, kind of right towards the end of college, I decided I wanted to get into marketing. I had taken a sustainable marketing class towards the end of my college career. I really enjoyed the analytical, the creative, all of it. And the managing aspect, like there's a lot that goes into it beyond just social media, right? Like ads and websites. And there's just so many things. And the way that you speak to people and is super important to get messages across. And I think in my head, I was really linking this, this disconnect the public has with climate change communication and, and this new like passion towards marketing and how can we speak a, to a consumer and to the public in a certain way that gets them on board with your brand. And so I was like, how can I use this in a way that can then get people to like care and talk about climate change in the way that I'm like kind of desiring and, and the world kind of needs. So I decided, and my, one of my college roommates was also, she was just in a straight marketing degree, but we both kind of ventured on and she kind of got into this freelance thing first and she was getting some clients and some money right away. And it was like, we were mid pandemic. I graduated in May of 2021. So we were, you know, we were in the thick of it kind of deal. Like we were just fought through 2020 and kind of at the end of it, I was like, I think I want to do this. And I've seen her have some success and there's plenty of like freelancing websites out there where you can kind of get clients and things like that. And I had been taking a lot of marketing and business classes now at that point. I was kind of really emphasizing in that area. And so I kind of took the jump and just started to do that a little bit, kind of towards coming up towards the end of my degree in graduating. And I, by the end, had a couple clients and I was like, great. Like you just need anybody that's like kind of in that like space. You just need a couple people to root for you and tell, like, give you a testimonial or something like that. And other people start to trust you. And so I had that. And I was like, I think I'm going to do this leap and like not go the route of trying for a marketing job. Cause that's what I like. And so I decided this is what I want to do and I want to have a sustainability spin on it. And so I took that leap and I moved in with my parents so that I could save money and I didn't have any rent I needed to cover. And they were so supportive from day one. They were just like, that's what you want to do. Great. You know, like we're happy to help you in kind of any way. And so that moving in was huge help because then I didn't have the stress of like, I need to pay rent and I don't have enough client money to do that and eat, you know, and I didn't want to rely on my parents to like support me post-college too in that uh, adventure I was doing. And so they did support me, but just like not in a monetary sense. But yeah, so I, I kind of leapt into that and I really tried so hard to get these sustainability, like freelancing things. They just didn't, there weren't a ton of them on the like the freelancing sites and what I could get was just like not what I was expecting. So I took a step back and I went more general. And I was like, I need to fully understand marketing as a whole before I can dive into the niche of sustainability. I already had that unlocked. I knew like the language, how to speak and things like that, but I needed to just generalize no marketing. And so I built up a client base that help me get all of those different experiences from Facebook ads to Google ads to website building to social media on all platforms and video editing and copywriting. And I did it all. And I was lucky enough to be able to choose these projects because I was doing freelancing. You know, coming post-college, I knew the marketing field is so hard to get into because social media kind of blew it up. And it's just like, seems fun and interesting. And it is, but to get those entry-level jobs, it was ruthless and cutthroat. I knew a girl, she applied to over 300 jobs, I think, in the marketing field, like her last semester, right? Hard work last semester. And she, I think she got one interview and like maybe two like interested people that were like, maybe we'll do this. And then they were like, reach back out and we're like, no, 
She had one interview and then she didn't get the job. And I actually, I didn't know her. So like I was, she was a friend of a friend. So I didn't actually know how it played out and what she eventually ended up getting. But I was looking at that and I was like, tell my parents, I was like, I cannot do that. I do not have the patience. I don't, I also don't have a marketing degree. Like they're going to look at my sustainable systems management degree and go, who are you? And so I had to build that experience. And so I did that through freelancing. And so, yeah, I kind of built up a client base and have been doing freelance marketing ever since graduation. And I guess to note, the thing with freelancing is you have to be willing to have ebbs and flows in your work. So I have always served. Like I am a server at heart. I've served since 18. It was a great college job. It got me a lot of money during the summer and it still makes me a lot of money right now. Because there are ebbs and flows. You'll have a great client base and you're like, great, I'm going to take a break from serving. I don't need it right now. I don't have the time for it right now. I'm doing amazing. And then client like needs change or you're, you know, don't want to work with these people anymore. Or the project is like not what you're into or you want to get into a different area and clients fall off, they go away or whatever the case is, your contract comes to the end. Like there's just ebbs and flows. And so having, if you go that entrepreneurial path, having kind of just the something steady on the side is super helpful. And a lot of people do it the opposite, right? They have that full-time job and they start the side hustle as their, their passion project. And then they just end up flipping it and where they just don't have to have the full-time job anymore. And they turn their side passion into the full-time thing. So there's many different routes you can kind of go in that space. But yeah, that's kind of the one I chose right out of college is to do the freelance, get my marketing experience. And now I'm started a company. So what company did you start? With one of my clients, actually one of my bigger clients. We had been working on a project together and it was with one of his friends and kind of came in and we were doing some consulting kind of work for him because he was going to do some market research. And we're like, that's just part of marketing. You have to know what the market wants to kind of be able to speak to them. So we're like, okay, we're going to help this guy out. And he introduced us to this new product that was coming to the U.S. essentially. It wasn't a part of the project he was working on, but he was in talks with these people to try to gain some market research because they were bringing this new insulation product to American markets, something that was super popular over in Europe. And so we actually ended up having like, we all sat in on this like kind of interview, informational interview with this guy out in Maine. And he's just gave us a lot of helpful information, talked about his company and kind of what they were trying to do. And this whole time, my client, he was just like, Matt is his name. We'll just put that out there. Shout out to Matt if he's listening to this. Shout out Matt. He just kind of got this idea of like something needs to happen with them. Like there's this new product coming to uh, American markets that they, has never been here before. There's a business opportunity here and we should capitalize on it. He's very much so an entrepreneur in that sense too. And so we just kind of kept working with this guy and slowly started to just develop the idea of starting a company around insulation. It's a wood fiber insulation. It's super sustainable, carbon sequestering. Basically, we're creating carbon sinks in everybody's home with this product, which is just super great because it's kind of what the environment needs at this time. So not a super sexy industry, like insulation, but a super needed one because the built environment has so much embodied carbon and operational carbon. And this product kind of combats both of those from both different angles. Well, and also how cool that, you know, you talked about you're interested in architecture full in circle. the built environment and it's kind of come through. Yeah. Right. Full circle, baby. It, yeah. It, it is very interesting. And that's kind of why it just made sense. So like he was just talking about this and all that stuff and, we had been working together for quite a while and eventually he was just like, we need to do this. I think we need to like kind of start a company. So then we started down that path and worked about a lot of the kinks and, you know, bumps in the road along the way. But yeah, as of this week, uh, we're kind of doing this week or last week, 
since this recording, we got our first shipment in. Ooh. We were the third one to buy products from the company out in Maine. Third one in America. Third one in the North, North America ever to buy product off the line. And the first one here in the Midwest. So really trying to break this product into Midwest markets. Because this company's focusing out on the East Coast because they're focused in Maine. And a big thing in the sustainability world is the amount of carbon it takes to travel and move product and things like that. So they just want to focus local and try to keep it there and then start building manufacturing facilities out on the West Coast and then eventually here in the Midwest. So their plans aren't to come here for a while. And so we kind of, yeah, just stayed in touch with this head marketing guy and were able to get all locked in with them and started a company around it. And now I am part owner and part co-founder in a insulation company, Cloud9 Insulation. Damn. Congratulations. If anybody's interested. Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. It's, so, it's just an interesting path. Just like tying in, like wanting to be an entrepreneur and business owner for my parents and that interest in architecture and the sustainability aspect is just like kind of all falling into pieces like are the pieces are all falling into place kind of in this company so I'm really excited and we're just such a baby at this point and learning so much about different things and it's startup week right now too and so we're having a lot of great conversations with other people in the sustainability industry and who are doing different startups and like the built environment and developers and things like that so it's like a lot of networking right now a lot of learning, a lot of experimenting, and just seeing how this kind of hits the market with plans to go bigger now too, you know, see what the next new thing is or try to develop a product ourselves and things like that. And so, yeah, super, super excited to be a part of the team. Super happy that my journey has taken me and at such a young age too. I think that catches a lot of attention when we start to talk to people face-to-face at least <laughs> the amount of times you're like how old are you and you're like i'm 24 and they're like yeah whoa and i'm like yeah, yeah. Like, my ego oh, okay. just loves it every time yeah a little <laughs> bit but yeah i mean that's not to say it's not hard i'm yeah. freelancing i am serving and i'm starting a company so i have zero time and i have a podcast yeah <laughs> yeah and that's the thing is like I, I always read books or hear on podcasts of really successful people and their life's trajectory seems so linear. But it's been kind of cool with the age we and all our all of our friends are at and like kind of your mid-20s, some a little older, some a little younger. And I'm realizing that, you know, like with your story of like you're interested in architecture, but then you didn't want to do it. And now you're kind of doing this architecture sustainability combo sort of. And, you know, for me, like, I never thought I would do media and I never thought I'd do all these different things. But now I'm like, I like, I used to always be interested in teaching and now I'm like teaching at a university because of sustainability and all the stuff that I've done largely in part with the media and education that I've done is why I got that role. And it's just, you know, how those, like these little things that you end up doing, they end up adding up slowly over time. Cause like, I know, like I so get the anxiety of especially your early twenties in college and just out. Nothing makes sense. Nothing. What I've done so far seems to matter at all because you know, that's what job applications make us feel like. (laughs) I hate giving this as like in terms of advice, but I like to, you know, maybe as a perspective or like to frame it as like, realizing that over time or there's there's a new term that I learned recently it's called emergent properties which is a whole thing in complexity theory which that's a whole topic which we do not nearly have time enough you know we're already an hour in recording time so emergent properties are basically like there's always chaos going on sort of under the surface and then eventually stuff will just take off and that's kind of like how your early career and life works is you know you and I have been doing all these like really random, weird, oftentimes seemingly disjointed, unconnected things. And then it's you talk to someone or you meet these other people or you apply for this one job. And all of a sudden, all those four random ass things you've done make sense perfectly for that next step. Right. 
or like in like people in who are like actors, they're like, oh yeah, you know, I used to work with Stephen Colbert at the improv comedy club. And like, oh, I also worked with this guy and this guy and this guy and they're all famous now. Yeah. And it's like, that wasn't like some weird, you know, evil Hollywood conspiracy thing. It's just, you know, all those guys were grinding together and are friends together. And now they're all successful and can help each other and those around them. And like, that's how this stuff builds. And it's just like an interesting perspective with the age we're at now where I can kind of like simultaneously watch my younger self struggling with all this anxiety and watch my older self hopefully be a lot more calmed and steady emotionally, financially, just, you know, all the ways. And I'm just kind of at this weird middle point where I'm getting over that anxiety, but also my career is not, you know, fully established yet. But like I can see both sides of the same story and it's kind of a right. it's just I don't know I I find it kind of a beautiful spot to be at no totally and I think it's important to like just embrace the journey you know do the weird things that excite you and bring passion and things like that because that's where it's it, it might all just click together one day down the line maybe a year from now it may be 10 you know but those skills are always going to be valuable no matter what. Even if they were only valuable in the moment, they were valuable, right? So yeah, it's, it's 20s are scary because you feel like you need to have everything figured out and you just don't, you know? And it's like, there's just no need to rush through your life to the point where you have it all figured out because then you're going to be like, I wish I was 20 again. You're like, but you weren't wishing you were 20 then because you had nothing figured out. Now you have it all figured out and you go, oh, great. Wish I can go back. I know it's going to play out well. You know, so I think it's just that trust that it's going to, something good is going to happen in the future and it's going to be okay. And things are going to work out the way they need to. And just don't put too many expectations on yourself either, because I feel like letting go of that gives you open so many other doors. If you're like, I want to do this, I want to get here and I have to do it this way and things like that. Like that is great to have a plan and have a path and goals and things like that by all means, but do not beat yourself up so horribly if that's not how it also plays out, you know, because there are so many doors that open between here and the end of that goal. And door number three might be a better one than the end goal. You know, so that's why you diverge down that path. And then it may not work out. And then another door opens and that not working out needed to happen to land into this one. So many times I've been with different freelance clients and I'm just like, oh, this is great. I see a a future here. I could like totally go full time with them, like doing sustainability work and all that stuff. And then I'm just like, nope, something happens, something changes, whatever the case is. And I'm like, well, that wasn't what I expected and feel like I'm back at ground zero and stuff like that. But like all of those little pieces, all the ones that fell apart kind of fall back together eventually. Exactly. Because one thing that I've really started to work on is, you know, our, our generation is becoming like very intense, you know, upon like, you know, if you have a salary job, you work your 40 hours a week and that's all you do. And I've started to try to take that mindset you know, you know, you know, this could apply for you being freelance. Also, like just the kind of person I am is I'm always like, kind of like, I don't want to say scheming because that has a negative connotation, planning. But like, so, you know, for me, I, I want to become like a director of sustainability or chief sustainability officer someday, like Shane Stennis that I mentioned before. And so, you know, I have the compliance side and now, you know, I've had a media and communications and marketing side and my current role is as an engineer. And so I'm always like trying to put these pieces together and build and eventually get to these cool high places. And I, in the past, I've often found myself, you know, always kind of being stressed out trying to like put together all these pieces and figure out how I can go all these different places as fast as I can. And, you know, I I used to say I wanted to be a director of sustainability by 30 and I've just kind of stopped doing that. And the way I've been doing that is by saying, okay, in those 40 hours of my 40-hour work week, all that planning and stuff that I do in the back of my mind that is only allowed in those 40 hours. I'm only allowed to think of my career, my future in, those, in that time. And then all the other time, 
I'm hanging out with friends. I am traveling any free, like extra money that I have, like I'm spending it because money is made to be spent. And yeah, just, you know, really focusing on also having fun and not being just like completely career oriented psychopath. Right. And I think that that's been like a really helpful pivot for me of, you know, allowing me to, because, you know, sometimes you just have bad weeks too. But like, you know, when you're able to just drop it at the end of those 40 hours or even at the end of your eight hour day and then go home and, you know, hang out with your cats and your friends or whatever. I think that's really important. But, you know, we've been talking for way longer than we normally do. I hope you guys enjoyed us being somewhat self-indulgent for this episode and you enjoyed getting to know us as well as if you've ever wondered why did it take Taylor and Logan eight to nine months to get this podcast up and ready? It's because all of our conversations were just hour-long tangents like <laughs> like this podcast has been and this is yes. every conversation that we have. But our next episode and the idea of getting jobs and sustainability, a great resource is the Green Jobs Board put out by Brown Girl Green. So our next episode is an interview with her. And I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and I hope you guys enjoy getting to hear from her.